just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you meet us in that time of praise and adoration, and you meet us in your word, and we know that that word will not come back void. And Father, that you're meeting us right now, those who are watching online, those who are here in person. Lord, we need you. We're here because we need you. And Lord, we ask that as we're coming to you, we could be changed. Lord, that we'll be different from yesterday because we met with you today. And Lord, we'll be different tomorrow because we're meeting you now in this moment. So Holy Spirit, would you just move in our hearts and open them up so that we could receive the things you're speaking to us and meet with us. Continue to meet with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Everything we do in this life relies on communication. Wars are won based on communication. And communication is vital to us in our relationships. Um, when we fail to communicate in marriage, marriage is in trouble. And one of the number one reasons why marriages fail is the lack of that good communication. If we have that lack of communication in our workplace, uh, we could get fired, or the, the, the business we have can begin to fall apart because there's poor communication or lack of communication, or um, it could just be in friendships that we have, and there's this lack of communication that's happening, and we begin to um, build these walls up, or whatever might happen, we begin to believe in things that aren't really true because of that lack of communication. And that lack of communication destroys those relationships. And we know how hard that can be. And even as a church, we're constantly working on how can we better communicate. And I can tell you 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was a lot easier. There was less expectation. Communication, we didn't need as much or all the different ways that we can now, but, but we can use all the different ways we can com communicate so that we can get a message across, so that we can continue in our journey, particularly as a church, particularly for the gospel message to reach those around us, even in our own lives, how we can grow. So what happens when you lose the ability to communicate? What happens in that moment when, when, when you no longer can? And when we begin to lose that ability to communicate, different things begin to set in. Matter of fact, if we're getting the wrong communication, these same things can begin to affect us. So if there's a lack of communication or if we're being fed miscommunication, what happens? We begin to take on a fear, and a fear that may very well not be true, but we begin to take on that fear, or we begin to get anxious about things within the world, and then we begin to worry. And fear and anxiousness and worry begins to separate that relationship that we have with the Lord, because we serve a God of peace. Last time I read in the scriptures, it wasn't a God of anxiousness. It, it wasn't a God of, of worry. But he was a God of peace, even in the midst of all the things that are going on around us. He's still the God of peace. So what happens when that communication is broken or cut off and we fall into those places of fear or anxiousness or worry or whatever else might begin to happen to us? Well, there's a parable in Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through 35. I'm going to read it for you. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went 
by way to Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into his ears and spat and touched his tongue. Then he looked to heaven, and he sighed, and he said to him, Aphatha, that is, be open. And immediately his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Now I believe there's a little message in here the Lord wants us to hear tonight. Something that we've got to pay attention to. The first thing we see that occurs, very similar to the um, paralytic who was brought by a map by his friends and lowered through the roof at Peter's house. You have friends who have faith. And these friends with faith bring the one who's a deaf mute to Jesus. And how has faith of our friends had an impact in our life? And I want you to think about that for one minute. Matter of fact, just close your eyes right now. And for those who are watching online, close your eyes. Think about how the faith of your friends has had an impact in your life. Or maybe the faith of family members and how that's had an impact in your life in the way that they began to live their faith and how that affected us. I can guarantee you is absolutely that friend or that family member's faith that began to lead us into a place of faith, lead us to a place to believe. And Paul says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes from what, church? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Well, the man in the parable is a deaf mute. He can't hear the message, but his friends can lead him to the messenger. Think about that. How many of us have a friend who can't hear the message right now? Maybe spiritually they're deaf and mute as a result, but yet they bring him to the one who's the messenger. And the man who's a deaf mute was cut off from all communication. How would he fully understand? It wasn't sign language at that time. He was an outcast. That, that, that some reason that what he was afflicted with, people didn't understand. And they didn't make room to understand. That was his problem, not theirs. And he'd be cast aside. But his faith of his friends, and because he had those friends, believed something more could happen. Believed that there was an opportunity or something that could change the direction of this man's life. And the deaf and mute man possibly had some speech prior, which means that his hearing at one time had the ability to hear and to speak. And if you read commentaries, they talk about the possibility that he had speech, he had the ability to hear, and maybe somewhere along the way he suffered from something like a stroke where he lost the ability to hear and he lost the ability um, to speak. And I don't know if any of you have struggled with losing one of those abilities in your life, but it begins to cut off that communication in a way that we can understand something. I can remember from my dad that um, many years ago, uh, part of this church and pressing in with prayer that um, uh, he had liver failure and the church rallied around him and began to pray. And it was miracle after miracle that he got to the place where he was to finally, in the 11th hour, he got a liver transplant. And after the liver transplant, uh, his kidneys failed. So within a year later, I gave him a kidney. And that gave him the life 
that God wanted to extend for that next 12 years or whatever it was from that day forward. But in the process of all those things, he began to lose his hearing from the medications that he was taking. And at one point, he went deaf. And I can remember his frustration in losing his hearing and, and how hard it was because he was sociable and he loved people and he loved gathering around people and he loved to come to church and worship and he had a heart for the Lord and began to lose that ability to receive that communication. It began to get cut off. Matter of fact, I can remember as it was going that people didn't realize they would say things to him and whenever he would go, yeah, like this, means he didn't hear a word you said. And, and, and be, it, it could be a horrible thing. He's like, yeah, okay, you know. And by, you know, the incredible advancements of medicine, he got a cochlear implant, and he got his hearing back. He got that ability to hear. And it was these little miracles all along the way that God did within his life to sustain his life for that much longer for what he wanted to complete. But imagine losing that. Imagine being cut off in that way. Imagine losing your speech. And, and what would happen, and that frustration, and, and no ability to understand or communicate what all is going on around you. And these friends came, and they begged Jesus to lay his hands on him. They had faith that he would be healed. And at this point, Jesus could have said no. You know, there's people that Jesus didn't heal. Matter of fact, my theory is of of. The blind man at the gate of the beautiful gate was that Jesus had seen him before going to and from the temple for prayer. And his healing came later on for a greater purpose, but not in that moment. And we don't understand the mind of God. But there were those, and Jesus could have said, it's not the time. Or Jesus could have done like he's done before, where he could have just spoke the words, and, and the man could have been healed. But instead, Jesus pulls him aside. He does something different. And he pulls the man aside. And Jesus uses the message of touch to bring healing to the man. It's it's an intimate moment that he begins to share with the Father. It becomes this personal moment that he has with the Lord. And remember, Jesus, whenever he does something, it's on purpose. It's not by accident that there's a greater message that he's showing us or he's revealing in those moments. And and Jesus sticks his fingers in his ears and he spits and touches his tongue. Now, um, many of you might not know, but Bishop Frank Constantino, who's kind of like the spiritual father for my spiritual father, Bishop Craig Bates, Archbishop, um, had a huge prison ministry and I had a lot of experience with him. Uh, in various ways that we would go into prisons and uh, we would uh, pray for those that are in the prisons and we would do different ministries and they had chaplains and they had this massive outreach in, in some of the toughest places that you can imagine. But the prisons would let them in because they knew that when, when, when that came in, men's lives began to change and they wanted to see them change. And they would welcome them in. And they had a healing and prayer ministry time that was taking place at one point in a pretty tough prison. On a, on, a, on a separate floor. And I believe most of them were close to serving life or long stents in prison. But they came and they were going to chapel and the chaplain was ministering and Bishop Frank came and he brought a team of ministers for healing to pray over each person who would want to receive that prayer. 
And um, as charismatics and willing to pray, we try different things because we believe God can do it and we learn different things. And someone came up and they said, I would ask that you would pray for my hearing. So a chaplain who read this scripture licked both his fingers and stuck them in the guy's ears. And he said, be healed and hear in the name of Jesus. And the guy looked at him and he said, for my parole hearing, So sometimes, you know, we've got to listen to the whole message of what's in front of us, and we've got to have clear communication of what the Lord is saying or what someone is requesting regarding that prayer. And this is taking place, and Jesus does something different than he's done before, and he'll continue to do those things, and he brings that healing forth after he sticks that man's, his fingers in the man's ears and puts his spit and touches his tongues. And Jesus, with his eyes fixed on heaven, Jesus looks up and he lets out a sigh. He looks up and he lets out a sigh. Now, he's not healed yet. And our Savior sighed. And there's this, this incredible moment. He's just off to the side and he lets out a <sighs> And when we let out a sigh, usually it has to do with our frustration, doesn't it? You ask your kid to do something in the house, what do they do? <sighs> Come on, it's not rocket science. I, I asked you to empty the dishwasher. This is not tough. <sighs> your boss asked you to do something, and <sighs> we, let, we let out that sigh of frustration. And Jesus could have very easily been frustrated with the Pharisees to their blindness or to the truth being ignored that was in front of him or the disciples and those who were following after him, their lack of faith. He could have, Father, why don't they believe? Father, why, why don't they understand? But this was a different kind of sigh. It wasn't that sigh. It was a sigh of heaviness for the sins of the world. It was a sigh that was a burden on our Savior's heart. It was a sigh as he looked to this man and all the others who would need healing and all the others who needed a touch from the Father, all the others who were afflicted in different ways. It was a sigh of those battling that sickness. It was a sigh of those battling oppression. And Jesus knew ultimately that's what he would have to conquer to a fallen world. His heart was heavy for those who were afflicted. And Jesus says to him, Ephatha, be open. And immediately the man was healed. It says immediately. Within that moment, he received that healing. Be open. And I believe be open had to do with the man's heart first, then his hearing, then his speech. Because if the man did have a stroke, that was the first thing that was afflicted in him. If that was the cause of why. And think about us, the cause of why we can't hear or speak because it's a matter of the heart. And the things that we put in our life to fill that heart versus Christ coming into our life and being the center of our life. And I, and I believe that's what he first opened was his heart. 
I believe that we have to be open and, 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 and look at those things that Christ wants to do, that our heart would be open for who he is. And that was the first healing that took place. I believe the be open has to do with us having faith to believe, to be open. And it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me how open we are to everything else except faith in Christ. Think about all the things that people are open to. We're open to science and the things that it tells us. We're open to money and believe that can fill it. We're open to government. We're open to false prophets. We're open to self-help things. We're open to bad advice and we take it. We're open to it. Oh, but that faith thing, now I'm going to shelve that. I'm not ready for that. And we take that bad advice and we're open to it. We listen to it. It's like when I go to golf and I, I, I'm with two golfers who are really poor at golfing. And, and the one guy's worse than the other. And they're giving each other advice on how to be better golfers. And I'm like, you're going to the wrong source, guys. Yet we're open. We're open to that. And the deaf mute's friends put their faith in Jesus and they put their faith in action, bringing the deaf mute to the messenger. And the man saw their faith and he trusted them. And when we say something like faith is caught, not taught, this was a moment because he couldn't communicate to their friend what was going on. But because of their faith, because of their trust, because of their belief, because they were a true friend to him, they led him to Christ. And in, in that moment, faith was caught. In that moment, when Jesus pulled him aside, I don't think he had to hear. He could just be in the presence of God himself and knew there was love that he never experienced before in his life. And his faith grew in that moment. Jesus began to minister to him. So our question is, how will I be open? Well, the first way for us to be open is to believe. That's the first place. We have to believe. All the other things that we're open to, how are they working out in your life? How are they working? We fall prey to deception and we think somehow those, the world has all the answers. No, it doesn't. Our God does. It's his kingdom that will last forever. And we get to be part of that kingdom when we're open to receiving who he is. Here's what I know. Jesus made an invitation. He came. He offered himself as a sacrifice because of his love for us and gave up his life so that he could conquer sin once for all. And he opened up the pathway to the Father through a relationship with him for what he did, to take on our sins, to love us right where we're at. Not saying you got to get your act together, you got to figure it out. He's saying, would you be open? Would you be open right now in this moment to let him in? He's not going to force himself into your life. If he wanted to force himself, he would have just kept doing a Noah thing and wiping out humanity and wiping out humanity. But he made a promise he wasn't going to do that. And he makes a promise now that you're open. You can have a relationship with him. He's inviting us in. We got to come to him first, not all the other sources. We got to come to his truth first. And be open to those things. And then see what life does. See what begins to happen as a result of it. We've got to accept him in our life. Am I open? So I want you to close your eyes right now. And I don't know the position of your heart. But I know if it's open and you don't know who he is, he will come in. 
And it's by grace through faith that he's made a way for an eternal life with the Father if we'll receive that invitation, if we accept who he is and we believe in who he is by faith. Our lives are changed as a result of that. And then there's a promise of an eternal life with him. And if you're here now in person or you're watching online and you haven't asked Christ into your life that way, are you open right now to receive him? And let me tell you, your life forever will be transformed and changed. You'll find the source of hope and truth. And you'll no longer have to look to the world to meet those needs, but you can look to the king. So, if you're here in person or you're watching online and you're open, I want to pray with you a prayer to allow him in. And you could just repeat after me. So open your heart and pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And once that door is open, it can never be shut. So thank you. Now, if you prayed with me here in person, you prayed online, you have to let us know why we're committed to a pathway of discipleship with you. You'll find God's purpose and God's plan lived out in your life. So would you just let us know? You can let a host know on your way out. Online, you can let us know right now. And we'll walk alongside of you with that new relationship of who Christ is so you can grow in that relationship with him.